Gesundheit. Thank you. What a weird sneeze. Yeah, that was a weird sneeze. That's how I sneeze. That's how I sneeze. And then I'll have like the earth shattering ones where it like hurts. (laughs) But I don't like to sneeze loud because I think it's obnoxious. So I keep Mm. it in and then I crack my back. (laughs) (laughs) And then you hear my back pop. Oh, shit. Welcome, guys and ghouls, to the 27th episode of Beer and Fear. My name is Zach. My name is Paige. Paige is the quiet one. What? Get that microphone. I'm going. God. (laughs) Here, let me me redo that for you. My name is Paige. There you go. Paige. And episode 27 is... On... Ghouls. As you could tell. Mm-hmm. By the wonderful intro. Yeah, I thought that was really cute. Uh, we, we're we actually doing this episode because it was a suggestion. It was a suggestion. By someone who refuses to talk to me anymore. I love him, though. I love him, too, okay? If you're listening, I know I love you, too, okay? Yeah, he does love you. All right. Well, I hope he does. Yeah. All right. Tell him, can you convince him to come back? Yeah, I can convince him. Quit, quit being stubborn and yeah, co- can, come on back to, you know. Him. Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll do it. We can start questing again. <laughs> it's just nerd stuff. Disregard. Uh, but it was a suggestion by uh, this person. He suggests we do ghouls, um, Mr. Certainly. Uh, so we're doing ghouls. Mikhail. Uh, but before we jump into the beer, which um, I hope you'll find somewhat amusing. I probably will. <laughs> it's the part of the episode where i ask how uh your actually last couple weeks were yeah the last two weeks last two weeks because mm-hmm. somebody is too busy for me oh, this didn't quite work out it's okay that's why we have bonus episodes that's <sighs> not the point that's fine it's okay um i'm trying to think if anything eventful has happened uh and i don't think so wow in two weeks what a sad life i live this is my existential crisis. You've had a couple sessions, which were, which were good. I don't... What are you talking about? You know, your sessions. I don't, I don't talk your about sessions. those. I know. I don't talk about my sessions. Yeah, that's why I'm keeping on the down low. My sessions. Yeah. <laughs> this makes me sound like a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> that was your John. <laughs> <laughs> no. Paige is not a hooker. No, but respect to the career. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I say career because I mean it. Not judging. Damn straight ladies and men, you make your money. Exactly. Beer and fear supports prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, don't. <laughs> Should get that on a, t- on a t-shirt. Yeah, a bumper sticker. Uh, my podcast host supports prostitution. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Hmm. Um Nothing really that stands out. I've had a couple job interviews because I don't like anything that I ever do ever, Mm -hmm. and I get sexually harassed. Yeah, we talk about that. Yeah, that's about it, though. I'm lame. I didn't celebrate Valentine's Day because I don't have a valentine. I could be your valentine. You have a valentine. I do have a valentine. Exactly. Um, You sicko. But I can, you know, there's enough Zach to go around, so you should have just hit me up. Michael's my Valentine. There you go. Yeah, perfect. Michael can be my Valentine. What about about you, sir? I I uh, actually took my Valentine. We went to the Van Gogh exhibit. Yes, you showed me pictures, and Um, I thought it was very nice. It was very nice. I showed my mom. She she really liked it too. Uh, She said she she would love to go to something like that. Um, But it was really cool. The immersive Van Gogh, where they have a billion projectors in this giant room, and project different moving Van Gogh paintings and pictures on the yes, walls and it the was floor. very cool and, and then there's a whole music audio soundscape that goes along with it mm. very cool very immersive and very social distanced 
like that. Yeah, it did look like it was very social distance, mm-hmm. so it looked very enjoyable. I got some Van Gogh socks. Yes. Which are uh, pretty, pretty cool. And your Valentine got a lanyard? Yeah, she got a couple lanyards, one for a friend. Um, and then we got free posters because I uh, bought uh, premium yeah, tickets. Right. So that was cool. Um, that was fun. Uh, and then I got my second shot. Yes. Uh, and he did get a second head. Uh, yeah, finally. He did. I've uh, got, It has not uh, yet uh, produced the ability to speak. It'll get there. Um, it's really just like moans at this point. Yeah, if you want to like listen. Yep, that's him. That's so, the head. It's grown. And he's trying. He'll he's get He's really there. trying. Yeah, it's going to take some time. His first word's probably going to be peanut. Probably. He seems stupid. <laughs> uh, it, it sucks. If you uh, have not gotten your second shot yet, it is horrible. Yeah, the way you described it is it hurt. And I told my doctor about bad. it when I went to do my, uh, my checkup mm-hmm. with her. And she was like, yeah, the first one, it was sore. But the second shot, it was just like the whole arm. It was well, the so whole painful. Body. The she first... didn't say anything about the body. She just said her arm. All my co because we all got it at the same time, Thursday and Friday um, was when we had our shots. And uh, like four people called off on Saturday. So um, the first shot, my arm really, really hurt. The second shot, arm didn't hurt as much. But my entire body was sore, muscle soreness, uh, joint pain. Um, I got chills. I was sweating, but cold at the same time, uh, just in pain uh, all over the place for like 36 hours. So not fun. And I called off on Saturday. What so a I, bad kid. Yeah, I know. I needed a little more time to recover from that. It's bad. Uh, so just just a forewarning if you haven't gotten your shot yet. Um, and then last thing, uh, I don't know why I have this on here. I don't know, my mom's moving. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the house and the house that I grew up in in Romeoville uh, will be sold within the next few months. <sighs> Tell him you so, miss him. Yeah, a lot of a lot of. Oh, I, I miss you, Michael. I miss you. Thank you. Um, so a lot of memories uh, at that house. Um, I was over there. I picked up a few things. I got my my drums are still there. So. Yeah, what are you gonna do with those? They're either gonna be stacked in my second bedroom. Oh, like the what is it? Wedding cake. Like wedding cake, or I need to get a storage unit, which I wouldn't be opposed to. I just need to see how expensive they are. This be like a whole thing. You should just wedding cake it. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? A storage unit just for your drums? Yeah, set it up, and I could play there. Uh, yeah, if it's big but enough. But then it'd be like a whole thing where right. you're just like, when do I go to my storage unit to play the drums? And what if you get murdered there? No, I wouldn't get what murdered there. What if you play there. the drums there, and there's someone that lives in that storage unit <laughs> that lives near you, and they're like, hey, this guy is really loud and obnoxious <laughs> with his drums. I'm going to murder I'm him because I live in a storage unit, and no one knows I live here. There are people that do that. I know. And get away with it. It's pretty, pretty crafty. That's what I'm saying. Uh, they had to run like a, uh, extension cable, like out of the corner and like paint it the same color as the wall. Oh and they were able to live there for like a few months before they got found out. Well, um, hmm. no, but some people, uh, who play drums, they'll set up their acoustic drums and just practice there. So I'll I have... think that you should practice here to annoy somebody else. You know what? That might be a bad idea. Um, <clears throat> that's all I got to talk about. Uh. I'm going to miss that house. I'm going to miss those drums. I haven't played them in a while. But let's get into the beer. Lay it on me. So the beer that I picked for Ghouls, this one was very tough. When I'm Usually when I'm having trouble matching uh, like a topic to a beer, I'll sometimes go to Google. Yes. Uh, yes. And we've mentioned before in other episodes, there exist beers with the same names as yes. some of our episodes We can and never topics, get them. But they're usually out of state. Uh, out of the country, only available on tap. They don't make it anymore. Or out of production, exactly. Uh, so I noticed there was a beer called Graveyard Shift. Oh my god, stop it! Which would be perfect by <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Arcade Brewery. Oh. Uh, the brewery actually shared a building with another brewery called Ale Syndicate. Okay. In Chicago, at twenty six zero one West Diversity Avenue in Chicago, they shared the same building. Sure. They actually used the same equipment huh. and took turns making their beers. Oh, that's cool. Pretty neat. Uh, they unfortunately closed in the winter of 2016 due to Ale Syndicate losing its lease. They're the oh. ones who owned the building, so they couldn't pay rent anymore. So uh, Arcade could no longer make beer. And it appeared the property was still vacant, so I was going to propose the opportunity to finally start our own brewery uh-huh. in the city. Oh. So cool. However, upon further... What would further... Our, our, our brewery name be? What would our brewery name be? What, what, just beer and fear the brewery. Okay. You know? Okay. Like, bring this whole thing full circle. 
get then, some merchandise uh, going. Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll do live podcasts at the oh, brewery. Okay. You know, every Saturday or something. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're really selling this dream you got going on. Yeah, it's uh, we can make it happen. Like Spaceballs, the the flamethrower. Yes, just it's make the it perfect everything. toy. Um, however, upon further investigation, it appears that Ravinia Brewing Company had moved in as of 2019. And I checked out their brews, and they look pretty dope. So we'll have to add them to our list of breweries to check out. Okay. And beers to try. Uh, Ravinia Brewing Company now now sits where Arcade used to be. So uh, long story short, I couldn't find a beer mm-hmm. um, to go with uh, Ghouls. So I went with... So we don't have an episode. So we, Sorry. That's, that's it. <laughs> um, I went with... Electric Jewel. Electric Jewel? By Hopewell Brewing Because Company. it sounds close to ghoul? Because jewel rhymes with ghoul. Oh, my God. The logic. <laughs> the, the sheer audacity of you right that's, now. That's the closest I could get with this one. Really? It was difficult. You couldn't really. do something spooky at all? I couldn't. I couldn't. No, I tried, like, I looked up crypt. I looked up graveyard. I mm-hmm. looked up cannibal. You know, everything, all that these cool, all these cool things. Uh, all these cool things. Uh, electric but it's from Hopewell? By Hopewell. I like yep. Hopewell. We've talked about Hopewell on the show before. They we, did. Uh, you got Stay Frosty. Stay Frosty. Mm-hmm. For the Yeti, right? Yes. So uh, I won't talk about them as much since you already did. They're at 2760 North Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. Yes. And their website's hopewellbrewing.com. You can buy their beer, seltzer, and merch, which includes caps, tees, beanies, koozies, pint glasses, keychains, shirts, magazines, prints, and patches. Koozies just sounds inappropriate. It kind of does. Their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is at hopewellbrewing. So Electric Jewel, uh, the description from their website, it's... Uh, an oak-aged wild ale re-fermented with over 200 pounds of fresh local pawpaws. Pawpaws? That were peeled and pureed in-house. What's a pawpaw? It's a fruit. What kind of fruit? Uh, look it up. It's like a... Looks... Honestly, oh, oh, from the Jungle Book, the pawpaw tree. Yeah. It kind of looks like a p- uh, papaya, I think. I don't even know what a papaya looks like. Plants. You don't know what a papaya looks like? I can't. Like, like a mango, I'm making, right? Kind of. I'm making fruit salad. Ooh. Yeah, I've got like the yogurt dippings. Don't, yeah. <laughs> oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, pawpaw. They're big. They look uh, like squash and cantaloupe. Yeah, almost like a mango, too. Interesting. Uh, vibrant, Very similar to a mango. Vibrant mango and lemon lime citrus character with medium acidity. What's the description of a pawpaw for flavor? Deciduous tree. Yeah, what is Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> what does a pawpaw taste like? It says a pawpaw's flavor is sunny. Electric and downright tropical. A riot of mango, banana, citrus that's incongruous with its temperature. Temperate. It's anal rectal temperature. Oh. It's a deciduous forest origins. Mm. And then it also has a subtle kick of a yeasty floral aftertaste, a bit like unfiltered wheat beer. Interesting. It looks like it'd be fun to bite into. Maybe. Yeah, I've never had a pawpaw, but the the description, it's a wild ale, or uh, this beer style is also referred to American wild ale. Uh, I've never even heard of this style before. Uh-huh. Uh, I tried to look up a description on craftbeer.com, but they don't have this style listed. It's not an official style. So here's what Wikipedia has to say. Okay. It generally refers to beers brewed in America using yeast or bacteria in addition to, uh, remember that Saccharomyces cerevisiae, that bacteria. For fermentation. Such beers may be similar to traditional beers such as Lambic and Ode Bruin and are typically fermented using a strain of um, um, Bretanomyces. Bretanomyces? Let me see. Oh, dear. Oh, my. Bretanomyces? Bretanomy- Bretanomyces? Let's just call them bees. Bees. Bees! <laughs> bees. For part... Or all of the fermentation. The use of bees can result in a funky flavor profile. Okay. Individual styles can vary from light or dark, hoppy or malty, strong or sessionable, barrel-aged or not. Okay. They often have sour notes as well as barnyard, band-aid, or animal or earthy characteristics. I really don't like that as a description. It's a little... Barnyard and earthy? That makes me think of manure. Band-aid. Band-aid? It's a little daunting. That's so gross. Some varieties included uh, mild fruits such as apricots to balance the acidity and sourness. These brews have been said to attract both hardcore beer fans and serious wine lovers. Interesting. So it's called wild ale and it's 
I bet it's going to taste pretty wild. I'm um, concerned. There are, uh, they hint at a few, uh, like, things that describe the beer as being sour. Okay. So it might have a little bit of sourness to it. Hmm. I have no idea how this is going to taste. Fruity, sour, I don't, I don't know. Um, but it's 6.2% ABV. Uh, we don't know the IBU or SRM. And the availability, availability says limited. There's a page on their website still, which you can get to from Google, but it doesn't look like there's any way to get to it within their website. So it appears that the this beer is no longer produced. Um, but they still have a page. If you Google uh, Hopewell Electric Jewel on Google, you can get to the page. Electric Boogaloo. To see it. But uh, that's all we have in this beer. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Holding. There's Beer Advocate. So there's no score on Beer Advocate. Okay. Uh, we're doing another one of these. No score. No rankings. We're going in blind. Average rating of 3.89. That's based on four ratings and one review. <laughs> wow. 3.89 from four ratings and one review. That's small. Um, I have a section here that says, read this review after you've tried the beer. So I want to I want to try some. I want, to, I want us to sample the beer. Okay. And then we can read a review. Okay. If that's okay with you. Yeah. You're, you're the one who does the beer advocate reviews. So I don't want to like step on your... You know, get all up in your grill. and No, I'm sure my grill. Yeah. Well, I'm, you you said, like, what was it, episode six? I was like, I was going to read a, a Beer Advocate review, but that's your thing. You're like, yeah, that's my thing. I was just picking on you. I know. You're fun to pick on. Let me get the beer. I hope I like this, because that is a big, big, big bottle. Yes, it is. So these bottles are the same size as um, Block Effect. Uh, oh, are they? Yes, yeah. uh, the nine point what was it? Nine point seven ounces. I like the it bottles. Is. It's very interesting. One pint. One pint point nine fluid ounces. Does it say like what it would be paired? So I'm with? sorry, sixteen point nine ounces is how big this bottle is. We should go to Hopewell. We should. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of bottle going on here. And yeah, the it's just. Yellow jewels. That's it. With a blank black cap. Wow, that is strong. That smell hit me from back here. Ooh. Ooh. That was... I don't know what kind of ooh that was. That didn't feel like a good ooh. Oh, that's interesting. It smells kind of earthy. It smells kind of sour. First thing this reminds me of is kombucha. Oh, yeah, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Smells like kombucha. I don't hate it. I like the smell. Really? Yeah. Oh. I like your kombucha, so. Guess who did a good pour for once? Oh, look at that. We both got good pours. <gasps> we need a picture. Oh, okay. The first thing I thought of when I was pouring this, it looked like a hazy IPA. Kind of. The color kind of looks like it. Uh, I mean, it is hazy. Well, smell, it is very fruity, but also I can see the wine appeal mm. to it. It definitely has that kind of like... Um, it does smell like wine. Very similar. Very carbonated, really no head on it whatsoever. There's no foam. It looks thin. Um, I'm going to go in. I'm like eager to try this. It's sour and fruit. Clank it, drink it, sink it. That's my thing now. Whoa. Whoa. Very smooth? Not smooth. No, not the word I'm looking for. What's the word I'm looking for here? Ooh. It changes a little bit. The aftertaste is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I like this. Oh, really? Yes. You do? I enjoy this. It's tingly in a right way. Yep. Um, Carbonate-y, bubbly. Uh, Mm. First thing, it's like I'm sipping... Uh, almost just, like soda. It, almost like it's got that bite, that initial bite. It makes me think of kombucha. Yes. It tastes like booch. It tastes like more more mild flavored, though. And On the swallow, yes. On the taste, like I'm just saying, like with the bubbliness and like the sourness of it, it is very similar to booch. The sourness opens up after you swallow. Yep. That flavor, that fruity sourness flavor kind of lingers. Oh, I want to find out what the burp is. Oh, interesting. I don't think I've consumed enough of this to get a satisfactory burp. 
Like interesting mouthfeel. It's got like that bite is in your nose too. It's, it's that sourness and that fizziness. This is a sipper. This is uh I could not the way the flavor is on this, I definitely couldn't drink this quickly. Mm, you said you were going to chug it. <laughs> I could. I don't think I should. No. What's the ABV? 6.2. Oh, it's not even bad. I like it. I think the I think it's good. I just think it's got an interesting flavor profile. It like attacks the sinuses for me. Just a super. It doesn't super, do anything to my sinuses. Super sour bite right up front. And then it goes away and it just. The fruitiness kind of sticks around. So when you say up front, do you mean when you swallow or you mean when you get it on your tongue? You get it on your tongue. As so soon for as you me, taste it. I don't get the sour bite mm-hmm. until I swallow. And it hits the back of my throat. I mean, the sourness definitely opens up in a different way. It's like... I like that it's carbonated because it's very bubbly on the tongue. That's probably that's probably what contributes to it. It's almost like like popping a warhead in your mouth, you know? I have like, never had a warhead. You've never had a warhead? Mm-hmm. Um, just intensely sour, hard candies. And it's just that immediate... That's, that's what it tastes like, is it just attacks the front of my mouth and just overly sour gets up into my nose i just think it's pleasant um but it's not yet not none of the none of that in a bad way it's juicy it's just so weird like i wouldn't think this is beer it's it's just very juicy and very enjoyable and the flavor is very very pleasant i i enjoy this a lot i don't know what a pawpaw tastes like i think Um, i do know now I, it has to taste something very similar to this, but I guess yeah, a little bit of mango. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's good. It's uh, good. It's good. This review from uh, this user Rev Zeb from Illinois. I've read his stuff before. Really, Rev Zeb? Yep. I knew it kind of sounded familiar. It says bright and transparent yellow with yeah. plenty of light taken in. No head. None. Smell is sweeter, sour oak barrel funk. Lemon, flowers, and of course, the pawpaw. I don't know about flowers. Did you get it on the burp? It, just, it tastes like more of the same. Oh. Uh, the barrel, I can, the barrel funk. Yeah. I can see that. I could too. Uh, taste as the pawpaw, taking on the sweet tart sweetness with the oak, but has a citrus acidity to balance well. Yeah. Uh, very acidic. Very light and bright with a cumulative acidity. Nice for summertime in the city. Hmm. Good review. Very, very strange. I could not drink more than one of these. I think I'd get tired of the flavor. I think so, too. It would just be a little overwhelming. And that's a big bottle, but I think mm-hmm. that's good. I'll probably finish it. I think I'm going to finish it. I don't have any doubts of that. Just one episode, I want to be drunk. <laughs> we got close a few times. What is a ghoul? What is a ghoul? What is a ghoul? Let me pose this question to you. It is a demon-like being or monstrous humanoid originating in pre-Islamic Arabian religion. It is associated with graveyards and consuming human flesh. In modern fiction, the term has often been used for a certain kind of undead monster. Mm -hmm. They suck. Why do they suck? Because they're just eating dead things. Is there any good? living things. Any good that they're doing? Let's get into it. Uh, there's also this random little blurb that says, by extension, the word ghoul is also used in a uh, derogatory sense to refer to a person who delights in the macaw of, uh, or like dark shit, which I like. Like I collect bones and stuff, so you can call me a ghoul. I can call you a ghoul? I'm a ghoul. The etymology is, like I said, early Arabic, so it's... Um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it means to seize. Uh, It's also used to describe a greedy or gluttonous individual. Uh, The term was first used in English literature in 1786 in William Beckford's Orientalist novel, The Thek, I think. The Thek? The Thek. Oh. Vathek? I don't know, something like that. Vathek. It describes the ghoul of Arabic folklore. Uh, the definition of the ghoul has persisted until modern times with ghouls appearing in pop culture. Yep. So there's 
TV shows, there's video games, there's movies, Supernatural has them on them. Oh yeah, I talk about a, a few of those. Uh, in Arabic folklore, the ghoul is said to dwell in cemeteries and other uninhabited places. I hang out in cemeteries all the time, I don't know what you're talking about. A male ghoul What's is referred to as a ghoul, while the female is called ghoula. Uh, a source identified the Arabic ghoul as a female creature who is sometimes called mother ghoul or a relational term such as aunt ghoul. <laughs> that is my goal in life. To be aunt ghoul. That is me. Uh, she is portrayed in many tales, luring hapless characters who are usually men into her home where she can eat them. Mm. Also me. <laughs> so many good t-shirt ideas. I swear to God. I know. When this is aunt ghoul <laughs> on it with a picture of like a ghoul with like long hair. Some state that a ghoul is a desert-dwelling, shape-shifting demon that can assume the guise of an animal, especially a hyena. Did you know that hyenas, female hyenas, have, like, really big clits? No. Uh, no. They're like penises. No. You know that? Did not. They also lead their packs. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's your hyena fun fact for you. <laughs> it lures unwary people into the desert, wastes, or abandoned places to slay and devour them. The creature also preys on young children, drinks blood, steals coins, and eats the dead. What's he going to do with coins? Keep them. <laughs> Use them. Use them. Ghoul got to get public transportation, too. Yep. Not everybody got a driver's license. He's got to get around somehow. That's what I'm saying. Then taking the form of the person most recently eaten. Mm. One of the narratives identified a ghoul named Ghouli. <laughs> How original. <laughs> a particularly monstrous character believed to be inhabiting, inhabiting the wilderness of Afghanistan and Iran. It was not until Antoine Galland translated 1001 Nights into French that the Western idea of ghoul was introduced into European society. Uh. He depicted the ghoul as a monstrous creature that dwelled in cemeteries feasting upon corses, corpses. Horses. Horses. A ghoul is also a name for a female ghost. Hmm. Ghosts and ghouls. Ghosts, ghouls, goblins. Uh, there's another definition that is in like the definite, like the um, dictionary mm. of Britannica. <laughs> the dictionary of. Britannica. <laughs> Britannica. Uh, it's a popular legend, demonic being believed to inhabit burial grounds and other deserted places. In ancient Arabic folklore, ghouls belong to a diabolic class of jinn, which are spirits, which oh. you can spell D-J-I-N-N or J-I-N-N. I thought you were talking about the drink, and I got excited. No. And we're said to be the offspring of Iblis, uh, which I looked up Iblis. Ooh, and. fuck? Or Eblis, I'm not sure, is the personal name of the devil. Oh. So. I didn't know his name. What a, what a family line. Or essentially the prince of darkness in Islam. Mm. Uh, they were capable of constantly changing form, but their presence was always recognizable by their unalterable sign. Asses hooves. Asses hooves? Donkey hooves. Oh, I was thinking like. Ass hooves. Ass hooves. <laughs> They walk around on their butt, <laughs> clip clopping around. Or like an ass that just had hooves. That's all it was. It's like, oh, there goes the ghoul, clip clapping. Um, considered female by the ancients, the ghoul was often confused with the sila, um, also female. The sila, however, was a witch-like species of jinn, uh, immutable in shape. A ghoul stalked the desert, often in the guise of an attractive woman, trying to distract travelers, and when successful, killed and ate them. The sole defense that one had against a ghoul was to strike it dead in one blow. A second blow would only bring it back to life again. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the ghoul, as a vivid figure in the um, Bedouin imagination, hmm. uh, appeared in pre-Islamic Arabic poetry, notably that of uh, Sharan in North Africa. It was easily assimilated into an ancient Berber folklore already rich in demons and fantasy creatures. Uh, modern Arabs use ghoul to designate a human or demonic cannibal, and it frequently and frequently employ the word to frighten disobedient children. Hmm. I like how a lot of these, um, a lot of these things we've talked about, there's some uh, tie-in hmm. to parents using the the tale or the myth about it yeah. to scare their kids, which is always fun to scare kids. <laughs> uh, anglicized as ghoul, so G H O U L instead yeah. of G H U L. Uh, the word entered English tradition and was further identified as a grave-robbing creature that feeds on dead bodies and on children. In the West, ghouls have no specific image and have been described by Edward, uh, Edgar Allan Poe as neither man nor woman, neither brute nor human. 
they are thought to assume disguises to ride on dogs and hares and to set fires at night to lure travelers away from the main roads. They ride on rabbits? Yep. Let's imagine this human-sized thing riding on a little rabbit. <laughs> Just having a good time. There's uh, Islamic theology. Um, there's a word that I cannot pronounce for the life of me, but it's from the Quran. Um, it was a report of an account of the origin of ghouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, according to one report, the devils once had access to the heavens, where they eavesdropped and returned to earth to pass hidden knowledge to the soothsayers. When Jesus was born, three heavenly spheres were forbidden to them. With the arrival of Muhammad, the other four were forbidden. The marid among the devils continued to rise to the heavens, but were burned by the comets. If the comets didn't burn them to death, they were deformed and driven to insanity. Then they fell to the deserts and were doomed to roam the earth as ghouls. Oh, jeez. It's pretty intense. It is intense. But that is my section on ghouls, and I am very warm right now. Hmm. I'm going to take off my cardigan. Take it off. Oh, it's staying on now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it be. Uh, so much like the boogeyman. Boogeyman. There aren't any true accounts, myths, or stories concerning ghouls. So, also like the boogeyman, I'll be reading a creepypasta. Yeah, lay it on me, bitch. Uh, but I also wanted to touch on ghouls as they appear in popular culture, since you didn't cover that in, in its entirety in your section. Mm-hmm. Uh, just briefly, uh, ghouls appear in uh, definitely a lot of places. You uh, mentioned television and film. So the first major mo- motion picture was the 90, uh, 1933 British film entitled The Ghoul, the where ghoul. Boris Karloff plays a dying Egyptologist who possesses a gem that will grant immortality and plays a ghoul in the later parts of the film. He becomes a ghoul. He does. Uh, Batman antagonist Raz Al Ghul, whose name derives from the original Arabic name for the star Al Ghul in the constellation Perseus, meaning the monster's head. Oh, that's a thing. Uh, Netflix original series Ghoul. Apparently is a thing. Yeah. And season four, episode 19 of Supernatural, Sam and Dean come across two ghouls. Yeah, and they like, uh, never mind, spoilers. Spoilers? It's very old. I don't know how that would be spoilers by now. But they like eat his, like their half-brother, like the ghouls eat their half-brother and like Sam and Dean. Yeah, it's, it's, oh my whole, God. it's a whole thing. There are video games. They make an appearance in Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, they do. Where they are shown to travel and attack in swarms and live in caves and underground lairs. Me too. They appear in Warcraft 3 and World of Warcraft. I'm sure they also appear in several other RPGs as well. Uh, Tabletop games. Only the cool ones. In D&D, they are monstrous undead humans who reek of carrion and were described as being able to paralyze anyone they touch. I thought you were going to say Parallel Park. (laughs) They are able to successfully Parallel Park. You'll know a ghoul when you see one when you see a complete parallel park. Okay, they did that a little too well. That's interesting. Got my suspicions. Mm. Hmm. A ghoul is said to be created on the death of a man or woman who savored the taste of flesh. Me. They not only eat the dead, but prey on the unwary living. Me. In uh, anime and manga... Tokyo Ghoul depicts ghouls as living beings visually identical to humans, save for their eyes. Yeah. While feeding on human flesh or using supernatural powers, their irises turn crimson red and their scleras turn black. And amine. They live among humans and only need to eat human flesh. Never seen Tokyo Ghoul. I haven't either. I just know it and I know that it's got a big fan base. In Hilsing, ghouls are zombie-like creatures that are created when a chipped or a technological vampire drains a victim to death, or in the manga where a vampire drains the blood of someone who is not a virgin. Dang it. In literature, uh, 1001 Nights is the earliest surviving literature that mentions ghouls, and many of the stories in that collection involve or reference ghouls. A prime example is the story of uh, the history of Garib and his brother Agib. Agib. In which Garib, an outcast prince, fights off a family of ravenous ghouls and then enslaves them and converts them to Islam. Yeah. If you're going to do something, force your religion on them. Edgar Allan Poe mentions ghouls in the despairing fourth section, Iron Bells, in his 1848 poem, The Bells, describing them and their king as, quote, the people that uh, they that dwell up in the steeple... 
they that dwell up in the steeple. Tolling the bells and glorying in the depressive effects on the hearers. They are neither man nor woman. They are neither brute nor human. They are ghouls. In the fiction of H.P. Lovecraft, a ghoul is a member of a nocturnal subterranean race. Some ghouls were often, or were once human, but a diet of human corpses and perhaps the tutelage of proper ghouls mutated them into horrific bestial humanoids. It's like you're discussing my entire life history right now. <laughs> you, can, you can relate to a lot of this on a personal level. Mm-hmm. In the film and book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Are there ghouls in that? Ghouls are shown as loyal soldiers of the White Witch. I don't remember those being ghouls. In the Harry Potter... Huh? Do you have pictures? I don't. I'm not that good. In the Harry Potter series, ghouls are harmless creatures that live in the homes of wizards, making loud noises and occasionally groaning. A ghoul resides in the attic of the Weasley family's home as the family's pet. Can you remember its name? Nope. You just watched... It's not mentioned in the Harry books. Potter. It's not mentioned in the movie. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Positive. I thought he mentioned the name. Mm-mm. It's not mentioned in the movies. Want me to look it up? You can. I don't remember. I haven't read the Bex in years. Yeah. Told you. You are right. Wow. I usually am. Uh, I can't believe I doubted you. Why do you ever? Uh, but that's all the uh, popular culture. So I've got a creepypasta now to read. It is a little lengthy, but... Um, cool. Let me finish this beer. If it's too long, I can cut all the popular culture stuff, but... Don't do it. Don't do it. This is a uh, creepypasta called Ghoul of Fletcher. Cue the creepy music. I just wanted to share a horror story I once heard when I was in summer camp. At the time, the story left me many sleepless nights. It was well known by most of my friends and my brother, but to this day they all say they had forgotten the tale they once preached around the campfire. Yet even now, older and more intrigued by this kind of stuff, it still perplexes me and sometimes scares me. The story begins in the small town of Fletcher in North Carolina. It was a seasonal town that experienced the harshness of winter and the warmth of summer. While most of its members were old, the time came when a wave of young adults had blossomed and were ready to leave the small town in favor of greater lives. The town had a closely knit community, and when there was any sort of news about the happenings inside the town or on its outskirts, the town would be sure to know it as soon as it happened. The day came on a frigid winter snowstorm when everyone spread the news of a visitor coming on coach and buggy and moving into a large manor once owned by a wealthy individual. The old owner of the manor was an innovator who helped bring railways to the United States and expand it throughout the continent, like many of the New England millionaires. The aged owner was, a, was prominent in the town and was known by many both there and outside of it. The manor was left vacant for ten years after the senior owner died from a heart attack. As soon as the man moved, he did not leave for the rest of the day, which left most of the town's members confused. Yeah. Also, I didn't read this uh, beforehand, just okay. like... Boogeyman. I'm listening, but like my nose is running, so I'm oh. sick. Are you sick? Oh, no. No, I'm not sick. The afternoon darkened into night, and soon most of the town's members gathered in its local bar and gossiped about the new visitor. Many of them guessed he was an outlaw on the run from the law, and others believed he was an escaped mental patient. Okay, dramatic. Eventually, it was concluded he was a government official coming down to experience the upcoming spring, which was always beautiful in that area. Hmm. While all were skeptical of this conclusion, since most members did not pay kindly to strangers, they simply let it go and continued their duties and conversations on the upcoming graduating teenagers on the town who were going to college by the end of the year, Mm -hmm. as well as the annual vacation most teenagers took around the summer. With the arrival of spring, the teenagers were frivolous of the soon-approaching end of the school year. The snowy winter had melted away into shimmering streams and left a misty blanket over the air. Mm -hmm. This year, spring came early, and the anxious parents of the teenagers were pensive on the upcoming summer vacation that all teenagers have in the town. Every year, the town's teenagers go to a small island off the mainland coast. There, they simply live life to its fullest extent with parties and paradise. It's almost pre-Lepsarian. It's almost pre-Lepsarian, or like the Garden of Eden before the fall. With the concern of them being alone, the parents knew alcohol or even sex would be involved. Not the sex. Not the sex. But soon, the parents realized the fruitlessness of their worries, since they were responsible teenagers and life was meant to be lived to its fullest in this town. 
There were no more worries from then on until that one day. On a sunny afternoon at a convenience store, a 17-year-old boy by the name of Mary Logan... A 17-year-old... No gender. By the name of Mary Logan was recounting stock at the register. It was a long Sunday and she was preparing to close early as soon as the remaining customers finished their shopping. Mary Logan was chatting with the local delivery boy, Scott McCoy, Mm -hmm. who had finished his daily deliveries. They were chatting about the colleges they were going to and how the kids were going to miss each other once they left. And how they were going to miss each other once they left. They also talked about the upcoming vacation most of the kids their age were going on, and they weren't. They were not exactly popular in the eyes of their peers, but nonetheless took part in the town's odd jobs that the community always had. When suddenly the door opened, there in the narrow doorway was a heavily dressed man in a black coat and hat and glasses. The store abruptly fell silent, and the man slowly trudged his way to Mary Logan. Both Mary and Scott froze in fear of this man's ominous walk towards them. When the man was in front of the counter, he gazed into Mary's eyes for a long time. Mary was hypnotized as if there was nothing else in the room but him and her. She was brought back to reality with a large slam. There on the counter was money and a piece of paper. Mary looks back up but only sees the many exiting out the door. After a long time, Mary picked up the paper. She realized it was a grocery list. It was a grocery list. A grocery list. The man apparently wanted his groceries delivered without having to show his face in public. Mary then stared at Scott with intent. Mary wanted Scott to do the job since he was the only one around to do so. After assembling all the items on the list, Mary packed it up and gave it to Scott. Scott nodded and left. Mm -hmm. Running quickly, the town seemed ominously quiet, yet serene in the sweet spring climate. The streets were empty, and there was no hindrances to the delivery at hand. Scott finally arrived at the manor, large and towering, with hydrangea hydrangea flower beds lining the rim of the property. Scott stayed in place on the outside of the yard. Afraid of setting foot in the property, he remained there motionless. Soon after gathering up his wits, he slowly took step after step on the concrete road, his foot finally touching a single blade of grass. He ran on, bolted to the front door, placed the package on the steps, and darted back onto the road. Yeah, me too. Hyperventilating, he turned his head to the house once more. His eyes wandered the front of the house. He saw something in the top window of the manor. It looked like the blinds taking shape of something. He wasn't sure, but he knew that the movement seemed human. Spring's gentle glow intensified into the bright rays of summer, and with that the teenagers had gathered by the shore of the beach that oversaw the island. The island was a circular landmass bordered by a large beach, and in the center was a forest. The teens were preparing to leave the mainland with kayaks and sailboats, and soon set off to the paradise. Okay. It was late noon. By the time all of them had arrived, the orange sun bathed the ocean and island in rays. They celebrated throughout the night. They danced and drank and laughed in the gentle moonlight, and they were happy. So caught up with the celebration, they seemed to be unaware of the slight movement of the bushes, even though there was no wind on that side of the island. Okay. The hour was 3 a.m., and most of the teens were tired and ready to end the night with each one of their significant other. Uh-huh. Couples entered the forest, and the rest stayed by the underbrush and slept. It came time for the teenagers to come back from their vacation. While parents awaited their sons and daughters' return, time slowly passed. The morning turned into afternoon, and afternoon turned into night, and not a single car was seen to come to the town that day. Not a single teenager that left returned back. Hmm. The town turned hysterical, wondering what ha- happened to its youths. Mothers cried and fathers threw fits of rage, yet no one could understand what happened to the teenagers. Not the youths. After three days of no returning teens, the town gathered up in the local bar once more to discuss the situation. But the conversation soon turned into argument and anger, and with many drunks in the mix, the humble townsfolk soon degenerated into a mob. The mob was filled with rage towards one person in town who they had no idea of innocence or guiltness, the man in the manor. The mob marched towards the manor and eventually encircled the property. Although gathered up altogether, not one of them could summon enough courage to enter the house. One man by the name of Finn Aiden 
was pushed and shoved to the front door. The mob now fell silent and stared at the only one near the door. Finn was filled with dread at what was expected from him, but he was influenced by the mob's mentality. He too was a father who lost his daughter during the vacation. He started towards the door. He placed his hand on the door handle, which had an ice-cold grip. He turned and opened it, entered, and shut the door. Finn Uh, entered what seemed to be a foyer. I would have gone in as a group. Right? Finn entered what seemed to be a foyer. It was dusty and heavy with the moist, moldy air. The furniture looked tattered and ripped, almost as if the house was left just like the previous owner left it from the point of his death until now. Hmm. There was nothing in the room to suggest that anyone lived in the house. He soon approached a living room, which was in the same state as the foyer. There were two doors in front of the TV. He chose the door closest to him, the one on his left. The door led to what was unmistakably a kitchen, but it was different. There were hundreds of vials and beakers filled with unidentifiable liquids. The floor was covered with mixtures of the liquids and had the stench of bleach and acetone. Mm. What was truly terrifying was the sink. It, too, was caked with a liquid with an all-too-familiar color. Oh my god, it's blood! A crimson red. (gasps) He shut the door and stood in the middle of the living room, staring at the other door. On his right, he hesitated and opened the door. Oh my god, I would have left. It was a library. Nothing special. In fact, it appeared to be the most normal part of the house. That is, until Finn stared at the plethora of animal mounts that lined the room. Oh, lovely. They had the subtle silhouettes of animals, but the facial details of something more human, lifelike. That and the color and texture of the skin was pale and flaky. They also seemed to emit a ghastly stench, something like rotten meat. Hmm. The smell was so overwhelming that Finn ran all out of the door, back to the foyer, and stopped himself from vomiting out his insides. He regained his bearings and slowly stared up the stairs that laid right by the front door. The last room was the master bedroom. Taking slow, deliberate steps, he ascended the stairs quietly, Seems like, like a his very life small depended manor. on it. A little bit. Kitchen, foyer, library, master <laughs> bedroom, that's it. This is a manor. This is a manor. The stairs led to a dark hallway with a single door at the end. Okay. While making his way to the door, he was unnerved by the overbearing silence. When he finally reached the door, he put his hand on the knob and felt a wave of anxiety. You're a knob. He turned the knob, opened the door. He saw a candle. Ah. It flickered and flowed in place of the completely dark room. All Finn did was take one step, and the candle went out. Goodbye. The only light left was the gentle moonlight coming from the curtained window. Yeah, goodbye. And the moonlight was him. Hi. A blood-curdling scream was heard from the top of the house. The townsfolk all looked at the rustling window. They all screamed when they saw the man leap out and run on the roof. The mob followed the shadowy figure while others went into the house to find Finn. They found him on the floor of the bedroom. They then looked at the window. They wondered why moonlight crept in when there were curtains seen from the outside. They soon realized that the curtains were not made out of cloth when they felt it. Oh, skin. When they felt the dry, leathery curtain. How do I keep predicting this? I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up. The townsfolk, you're good. The townsfolk who were following the man ran far behind, uh, beyond the outskirts of town. They pursued the quick shadow until they approached a bridge overpassing a torrential river. There the man ran onto the ledge of the bridge and stared into the eyes of the people. The people froze and stayed in place. They were hypnotized as if there was nothing else but the man in them. The figure leaped into the river and disappeared into the dark abyss. Hmm. The next day, the town stayed indoors and did not leave until the following morning. Everyone wept for the teens who never returned and were never seen again. Only two people, Mary Logan and Scott McCoy, were out. They followed the trail made from the mob the night before until they reached the bridge. They went down to the bend of the water and looked for whatever proof that the man existed. They found only one thing. Bloody footprints leading into the forest. He was known from that day forward as the Ghoul of Fletcher. Huh. He used to get scared so much easier than nowadays. That's true. Mm -hmm. You can really suspend your imagination and and belief when you're young. You really can. It's an interesting story, though. I think it's better than... I thought it was well written. Yeah, it's better uh, better than the other two stories. 
Do you like Girl Scout cookies? I do. Why? Which ones do you like? Uh, Samoas and Thin Mints. I have both of those. Would you like some? Why do you have both of those? Because I got Girl Scout cookies. From who? From Someone my uh, coworker. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, what would you think of the beer? <laughs> well, I know we were going to get to that, but I just wanted to be like, hey. Cookies. Cookies. Fat bitch. Uh, the beer was very, very interesting. I need an honest answer from you because the faces you've been making have been... It's just very sour and uh, overwhelming almost at times. Uh, Very lemony, very sour, very fruity, just extremely right up front and then it lingers. It's just very, very sour beer. Kombucha. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah, honestly, it's just very, like, very similar to kombucha, so I can understand how beer enthusiasts and wine enthusiasts are both interested in it. But booch is not this sour, though, unless you let it sit for a little too long. Booch usually has a more balanced sweetness I to it. I don't think it's that sour. I think it's very sour. Because, like, I don't even get, like, the jaw thing that you got, and I've gotten that before with very sour things. Like, the face you make is like you aren't enjoying it because it's so sour. It's just over. It's just a little overwhelming sometimes. Um it's not bad, though. I honestly... Okay, I like it. I would not drink more than one bottle. Right. It's a big bottle, and also it's just... It's got such a distinct flavor that it's like you would get tired of it. It is uh, It is a cool beer, though. We've been saying... Or at least I've been saying that I've wanted to do... Uh, you've said, too. You want to do a sour ale yeah. or a goza. I mean, this is uh, unmistakably... Um, if I didn't know it was a wild ale, I would say, you know, this would be a sour ale. Mm-hmm. And wild ale is very similar uh, in the way that it's brewed, I, yeah. I suppose. Um does have that sort of funk to it. That funk. Which is unique. Um, I think I, it's good. I think it's great, yeah. Very enjoyable beer, very different beer. Um, I don't think it's super sour, but apparently it hits your tongue differently than mine. Um, I got this at the Willowbrook Binnies. They're the only one that has this in stock. Mm-hmm. Out of all the binnies in the area. Did they have multiple? Uh, they had at least two. I yeah. don't know if they had any more than that. Um, but It's definitely interesting enough that I would recommend that people try it. Yeah. Like uh, Scott, I think you should try this. Give it a shot. Max, I think you should try this. Go to the Willowbrook Binnies and uh, give them a call first. See if they have any more of this electric jewel by Hopewell. Chelsea, you would think this is weird. Uh, it is a weird beer. But uh, if you're listening, give it a shot. And it's it's pretty pretty unique. It is very unique. Beerandfearcast at gmail.com. If you feel like sending us an email, harassing us, asking me out on a date, telling Zach that he is beautiful because he needs to hear it on the regular. Uh, do I? You do. You need to be reminded. Mm. Uh, Flights and Frights, send us your stories. We need one more, right? We just need one more with a beer suggestion <laughs> to go along with it so we can do it for the first time and the last time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to add? You can find us on several websites that I never remember. Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and Reddit. Yeah. There was another website we recently got invited to. I don't know. Wherever you can find a podcast, you can mm. find us. We should go on Spoon. <sighs> Spoon? Yeah, it's a website or an app or something for podcasts. I just like the name. How do we get on that? <laughs> I have no clue. That sounds cool. I just heard of it. Um, yeah, but that's it. Flights and Frights, beerandfreecast.gmail.com. Those are the websites. Please email us. We need one more suggestion. Please. Spoon audio live streaming. Oh, yeah, look at that. Streaming and podcast platform. Yeah. Hang out. Make friends. Get advice. Do drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Smoke crack. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Have a good day. Have a good day. Have a good day. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba Enjoy the rest of your day <laughs>